This morning's reading is taken from Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, followed by chapter 12, verses 8 to 14. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does a man gain from all his labour at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. There is no remembrance of men of old, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. Chapter 12 from verse 8. Not only was the teacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads, their collected sayings like firmly embedded nails, given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Well, good morning, everyone. Let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Our great God and Father, as we come to a strange text, really, in Ecclesiastes, uh, we pray that we'd understand it. We pray we'd understand what he is and isn't saying. We pray we'd know how to respond with realism, with honesty, with integrity in our lives. And we pray that we love you. Amen. 
Now, look, I know, I know, I know. Uh, probably when it was read, you thought, look, Life is uh, glum enough as it is, actually, in lockdown. We don't need uh, Ecclesiastes, thank you very much, telling us that uh, everything is meaningless. Uh, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, alongside the great cry of Ecclesiastes, meaningless or vanity, uh, the writer does say that you can find joy, pleasure in each and every day. We will get there, uh, even if we have to um, crawl a little bit through the meaninglessness to begin. One of the little stories that appeared on the news uh, in the last few weeks was a chap called Paul Nichols. Paul Nichols, uh, a man in his early 50s. He had no underlying uh, health conditions at all, but he contracted uh, COVID-19 and spent a number of days uh, sedated, uh, mechanically ventilated uh, in hospital. But uh, was interviewed uh, a week or so after that, uh, recovering, still uh, breathless, clearly a week, had lost coordination. But he, he sort of whispered or wheezed into the camera weakly. Well, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? What matters in life? Nice holidays, a nice house, a nice car. They're just trinkets. I need to stop and take stock of life. Yeah, I guess this will do that to us this season. But really, that is what the teacher in Ecclesiastes is trying to do. It's a wake-up call. He's trying to say, look, we just be honest here. Life is vain and empty unless you know God and enjoy life as a gift from his hand. That's really what the teacher is going to say to us. It will encourage us to live each day joyfully, even in a very confusing world. So I actually think it's a great book to look at uh, in the midst of a pandemic. Let's start. The, uh, one of the questions is going to get thrown up straight away uh, before we really get into all the detail. Just first is one and two. Let me ask this as we begin. Is this a meaningless book? So chapter one, verses one and two, the words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem, and uh, we'll come to next week. We'll talk about more about who he is. Uh, I want to spend a bit of time on that. But verse 2, here's his great cry. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And that's the cry that ends his teaching in the book. We had it read as well, but chapter 12 and verse 8 it was the last words of the teacher before you get a little editorial comment. Chapter 12, verse 8. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. And that little phrase, or the word, little Hebrew word, hevel, uh, meaningless, it's 38 times we get it uh, throughout the book. And it covers kind of everything. Wisdom, money, youth, vigor, achievements, pleasure meaningless. Although I want to try and move away from that because I don't think meaningless is actually a very good translation because there are lots of things in this book which do have meaning. And he's going to say, look, you can find purpose, meaning in this. So it's not as if the teacher says everything in this world is pointless. I think a better translation will play with different words over the next few weeks. But 
personally, I prefer the word vapor or breath. Life is just a breath. Even the little Hebrew word, hevel. It's just like a breath coming out. Because it gathers together two of the, the main senses of what he gets at in the book. If you like your alliteration, life is elusive and it's ephemeral. Life is elusive. You can't quite pin it down. Like breath on a cold day. You go outside and you breathe out and there it is. But you can't package that up in an envelope and save it for later. You can't nail it to a wall. It just goes. And life is a bit like that. Yeah, you think to yourself at points, all of us at points think, no, life is good. I, I sort of, everything's in balance and, I, and I've got life sorted out. And then chaos comes along. Then COVID-19 comes along and you think, how humbling, how humiliating for humanity. We've got nothing sorted out. Life is elusive. You can't quite grasp it he says. And it's ephemeral, that is, it's fleeting, it's short. We see throughout the book that whatever we achieve here in life, death mocks it. Just across the page from chapter 1, chapter 2, verse 16, the wise like the fool will not be long remembered. Oh. Oh. Death mocks what we achieve. So life is elusive and it's ephemeral. It forces you, well, this book is going to force those truths upon us and, and ask us to take stock with Paul Nichols and say, well, what matters? I mean, I don't want to just gather trinkets. I need to take stock and ask, what matters in life? Two other brief comments, then we'll really get into uh, uh, the opening poem here. Um, the first would be this, just work with the writer here, the teacher. He's looking at a world and life which is unpredictable, messy, unfair, chaotic. And so that's how he writes a little bit. It, it, the, the book is not linear following one argument. It sort of circles around various ideas. It's a bit of a, a messy book, you might say. It's not an easy book to read or understand. Uh, one commentator I particularly enjoyed, Craig Bartholomew, observed, uh, Ecclesiastes is a lot like an octopus with all its arms waving about. And just when you think you have the tentacles under control, that is, you've understood the book, another one pops up and is waving in the air and you think, no, I, I don't know what's going on at this point. And having spent a few weeks just reading and rereading Ecclesiastes, I think, yeah, it's not a neat argument because life isn't neat. There's no pat answers in this book. And my last comment will be, look, this may be an obvious thing to say, but it's not a New Testament book. The writer asks loads of great questions, but his answers are incomplete. And when you turn to the pages of the New Testament, and particularly life in the light of the death, resurrection, rule of Jesus Christ, then you get a fuller answer, a clearer answer. Not that Jesus corrects 
the uh, the writer, the teacher, and the teacher's got stuff wrong. But it's a bit like looking at a photo and you think, I sort of know what's going on. And then you zoom out and go, okay, now I get the full picture. And Ecclesiastes, it's all true, and he asks great questions. But we will need every week to just zoom out a little bit and go, okay, in the light of Jesus, I see that more clearly now. I understand that a little bit better. So not a meaningless book, one full of meaning, but just saying life is vapor, breath. It's elusive. It's short. But what we're going to do this morning is just ask uh, the one question, the question of uh, beginning then, this opening poem, uh, verses 3 to 11, an opening poem before uh, verse 12 of chapter 1 all the way through to uh, the end of chapter 2, his own personal testimony. But a poem to introduce the theme really, and it asks this question, what will you gain from your labours? Okay, that's all we're doing this morning, and ask that question and then briefly look at an answer, the beginnings of an answer. What will you gain from all your labors? So chapter 1 and verse 3, there it is. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Now this little word gain, Hebrew word, it's unique to Ecclesiastes, not used anywhere else. It's uh, a word from the world of business. It's profit. What profit have you got left? You, you make this money and then you pay your staffing costs and whatever bills you've got. And what you're left at the end is your profit. That's what he's talking about. When you die, what profit have you made? Not financial. But when you die, what have you got? What's your legacy? And it's not a very encouraging answer. He asked this question, uh, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? This phrase, uh, again, is a common one throughout the book, 28, I think, times, or uh, uh, under the sun. What does he mean by under the sun? Just think of it as um, under the horizon, this fallen world in which we share. If there's no God, this what's life like on this planet? And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian believer or not. This is what life is like in a broken, fallen world. This world under the sun. Every so often he'll break through that barrier and say, ah, oh, but there is a God. But mostly he's going to analyze things under the sun, just in this world. And he says, well, what's life like? Verse 4. Generations come, generations go. The earth remains forever. People come, they live there 80 years or so, and they die. And they don't leave much behind. It's a bit like this. He gives three little examples. A bit like the sun. Verse 5, the sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. Literally, the sun pants back to where it was before. Again, this sense of just going over and over the same circuit. Or the wind, verse 6, second example. The wind blows to the south, turns to the north, round and round it goes. I mean, oh, where we, well, let's go north, let's go south, let's go east, let's go west. But in the end, it's just going round and round and round. And the sea, verse 7, all streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. Yeah, this sort of strange picture of, you know, the beginning of 2020, the Atlantic saying, this is the year, this is the year I'm going to fill right up. I'm really going to, I'm going to be at my highest level ever uh, this year. In fact, I might take out half of Europe. Uh, I'm really going to, 
Oh no. In fact, this year is much the same as previous ones. All the rivers will run in, but then there'll be evaporation of water and the water cycle will take over and, well, it'll be much the same as the last few years. Perhaps a little more ice will melt. I'll go up a couple of mil, but nothing of great significance this year. And so verses 8 and 9 are his conclusion. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear. It's fill of hearing. There's never a completion. Never, I've achieved it. And I'm content. Just more. Round and round we go. Now this sense of wearying, just going round and round the same circuit, it's, it's acute at the moment, isn't it? Uh, when our lives have shrunk, uh, one or two have said, um, oh, I've left London, I'm living with parents, uh, living with other family members out in, in this little village, and oh, and what do you do for your exercise? Well, every day at whatever time it is, we walk up the high street and we walk back the other way down the high street. And that's kind of it. There's nowhere else to walk. And every day we go up, but every day we go back. And every day we go up, and every day we go back. And you say, well, that's not normal at the moment, is it? No, but it is just a bit more acute. There's always truth to that. I remember a few years ago being on holiday overseas and uh, was often the last one off the beach trying to sort of squeeze every moment uh, out of the holiday. And uh, there's this old guy in his early 60s, I, I would say. And every day at, um, when the sun had set and it was about six o'clock, He'd come and rake the sand, empty the bins, rearrange the sun lounges so they're all straight again. And because uh, I was often the last one there, I chatted to him a couple of times. How long have you been working here? Oh, decades. Wow. Do you enjoy it? It's okay. It's okay. It's a job. If you don't mind me being asking, um, are there some days or weeks, or even years, which sort of really stand out in your head, because it all looks, you know, a familiar rhythm to, to each day. No, not really. A few faces I remember more than others, people who were kind, but um, no, not really. I remember having this conversation just thinking, golly, wow. My life is much more varied uh, and interesting than that, and, and praise God for it. And yet, well, it is, and yet most weeks have a similar sort of rhythm to them. Most years, September kind of do the same things, and December sort of the same things, and April the same things, and round we go, and God, it's my birthday again. How old am I? I can't even remember. Has he got a zero? No. Who cares? And round and round the years go. There's a reason that a midlife crisis is a phenomenon. In whatever it is, mid-40s, early 20s, whatever it is these days. But um, because you just think, oh, right, uh, this is what life looks like now. And we just go, ka-chung, 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 ka-chung. Oh, and just more years like this. Oh, okay. And people occasionally do daft things in a midlife crisis just because it's just the same and round and round we go. And that's what the teacher is saying. 
Hold on, verse 10. Phew, here's some encouragement. Uh, Verse 10. Is there anything of which someone can say, hey, look, here's something new? No. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. Oh. Oh, that's a bit depressing. Some things are new, aren't they? Internet, that's fantastically new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like TV was and radio was and telephones were and they can use for great communication and depraved communication. Sort of the same thing. So verse 11 says the teacher, look, no one remembers the former generations and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Oh, really? Well, it's a generalization, of course. There are some we remember. You know, we remember a Shakespeare, and at the moment, acutely, we remember a Churchill. Yeah, but they're the exceptions. History records a sort of infinitesimally small number of people's lives. A tiny number are remembered. So some people, you know, Usain Bolt. Everyone knows Usain Bolt, you know, you know, great, great athlete, fastest man on the planet at the moment, won loads of medals. Um, yeah, and he's the, uh, he's, the, he's the world record holder for the 100 meters. And uh, who was the man who held the record before him? I can't remember. Do you know who the first man to break the 10-second barrier in running the 100 meters was? I mean, that's quite something. Uh, lots of people have done it since, but the first man to break the 10-second barrier? Jim Hines. Jim Hines in 1968. Oh, no, remember him? No, you've got to be a, a, a sort of quiz uh, aficionado to remember him. And it was 50 years ago. Do you think anyone will remember Usain Bolt in 50 years? 50 years' time? Who won the 2012 gold medal? No, no, no. We'll have to look it up. No, generations come and they go, and not much is remembered. I am um, sort of dwelling upon this. I had a slightly bizarre moment. I Googled my own name. Uh, and have you done that? I was, I was actually uh, surprised. I, I made the front page or the first page of Google. I was pathetically pleased with that. Not first. Uh, as a, a, a journalist in the States who tweets a lot, he came number one. And then a rugby league player in Australia. Uh, who's now a sports guru, came number two. Um, but uh, hey, look, I thought, wow, that's, you know, page one. Uh, I mean, you can try that. I mean, if you, you cheat if you have an unusual name. If you're John Smith, you've you, you got no chance. Uh, you've got an unusual name, you might do a little bit better. But um, again, in a few years, t- a generation's time, if anyone's still using Google, I'll be on page one million and whatever. Just gone. Not remembered. Oh. Look, the teacher's not here initially to cheer us up. He's just saying, let's get real. What does your life add up to? What will you gain? What will be the profit of you being on this planet? So what do we do with that? That's the question that he's asking here in this uh, opening poem in verses 3 to 11. What do we do with that? Well, let me begin. I don't want can't give it all away because we've got to wrestle with this book. But let me begin to give you an answer. Let me give you two briefly then. Satisfaction from God now and rewarding glory in the future. Okay, just 
let me indicate those two. Uh, we'll get more and more on these as the weeks go by. Satisfaction from God now, rewarding glory in the future. We had read the conclusion of the matter in uh, chapter 12. And without wanting to shortcut uh, the book, here's the sort of editorial comment upon what the teacher says. And it's all true and it's all wise. And here's the conclusion, verse 13. All has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the duty of all mankind because for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden evil, whether it's good or evil. God sees what you do. He assesses what you do. And that matters. It matters that your life is assessed. You ask the, however many it is, four million odd school children who were due to take just GCSEs this summer and are told no exams. Oh, we've worked for years and we don't get to do an exam. No. Oh. But even then, they will get a score. They're, they're mocks and what they've done in the previous years and it's all chucked together in some complicated formula and teachers have to spout out a response and the exam boards tell them if it's true or not. They will get something at least, but it's still frustrating. But what about life? Nothing. No assessment. You die and the universe says, I don't care. You've just gone, and no one remembers you. Ouch. And Ecclesiastes says to us, but there is an assessment. There isn't just life under the sun. There is a God above, and he cares. So what we do now, it does matter. It does have value. It will be assessed. And in the midst of a confusing life, when we're not in control, can't predict the future or protect ourselves from it, you know, there's a God who is making sense of it all. And so you can look to him now. You know that your life matters now. And we'll look at this next week, but just look across again to chapter 2 and verse 24. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God without him who can eat or find enjoyment. Enjoy the pleasures that God gives now. And know that there's an assessment to come. Give thanks to him. Entrust yourself to him. Don't worry too much about planning for retirement. You may not even make it, says the book of Ecclesiastes. But give thanks. Enjoy the good gifts of today. But we're in lockdown. Yeah, but enjoy sunshine. Enjoy food. Enjoy truncated friendships. But they can still exist on the phone, on Zoom. Enjoy what God has given And then finally, we've got to ask this question every week. But what does Jesus add to the teacher? The teacher asks this question. What do people gain from all their labors? You know, Jesus asks a very similar question. Luke chapter 9, verse 25, Jesus asks, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their whole life? What good does it give you? What have you gained? If you gain the whole world, but you forfeit your life, says Jesus. No, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory. 
So Jesus agrees with the teacher and says that there is an assessment to come. There is a future glory to come. There is a world to come which has no futility, which is not fleeting, which is tangible, real, physical, and you can enjoy without the frustrations of this life. Look forward to that one and trust me today. We looked at this a few weeks ago. If you were here in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul would say, your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Vanity, vanity, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, there's no God. But there is a God, and your labor in the Lord matters. So as we begin Ecclesiastes, look, if there's no God, this world is futile, meaningless. Its breath comes and it goes. But there is a God. So trust him. Enjoy him today. Know that he gives an assessment and therefore meaning to your life. Entrust yourself to him in a very confusing world. Let me lead us in prayer. Great God and Father, we may want to uh, hide ourselves away from the truth that the teacher wants to uh, put in front of our eyes, to sort of paralyze ourselves with pleasure or activity. But Father, in the end, we have to ask this question, what is life about? What brings meaning to life? What difference would it make that I've walked on this planet and then shuffle off again? Father, thank you that here is a message which forces us to ask those questions clearly and reminds us there is a God. There is an assessment. What we do does matter. So would we trust you? Would we obey you? Would we enjoy you here and now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.